0: The ceiling is the roof only show on the internet, intrepid enough to discuss architecture, basketball, and the intersection thereof. My name is Bobby Corrella. Joining me today, Mike Marshall. Mike, how are you? I'm great, bud. Haven't
1: done this in a while, so uh, happy to be here with you. Happier to be here with Isaac Harris of uh, Locked on Mavs, of uh, Press Box fame. Uh, what else do you do? <laughs> he eats <laughs> peaches. Pay, yeah. What pays your bills? Peaches. <laughs> Peaches pays your bills. Peaches? I mean, you eating hot dogs
2: pay
0: pays your bills. Technically, yeah. It did for today. Mm. Uh, we'll see what my water bill is after <laughs> after this weekend. But uh, if you're listening, thank you for listening. If you are uh, also listening and you want to watch, see those cameras over there, guys? Yeah, yeah. Those cameras are recording. That one's recording. We are actually on YouTube as that well. That one's on preview. So if you want to see a video of us talking about audio, on you can check us out on the Mavs YouTube channel, youtube.com slash Dallas Mavericks, I think. Thank you a star. Yeah, it's Dallas, Dallas Mavericks. Dallas I'm not yeah. sure. Um, so uh, Isaac, cool. Cool. we've been friends for a long time. That's you. I don't believe that I've ever asked you the burning question, the most wow. important question of them all.
1: Mm-hmm. Can I have a kidney?
0: what does the ceiling is the roof mean to you um absolutely nothing
2: (laughs) yeah i mean mj said it so i guess it's cool and Mm -hmm. we just run with it because mj said it.
1: what was he trying to say though like if you stopped him on the way out of that i think it was a unc football like pep rally if i'm not mistaken if you asked him on the way out you're like what are you what do you what are you trying to convey with these words? What do you think his explanation would be?
2: He's probably thinking about something with like gambling, but, <laughs> but honestly, I'm talking he, about parlays, dog. Yeah, he would probably say something minus three point five, <laughs> boys. Let's go. <laughs> That's the ceiling. <laughs> Calvin Ridley, let's go. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh, wow, but <laughs> but no, uh, Michael Jordan. He would probably would have said something about uh, potential, and like he's probably trying to say something like, hey, the potential's yeah. so high that yeah the ceiling is the the roof and not like mm. yeah." Either you way, can
1: think it, you can dream it. I think is what he's trying to say. But yeah. I don't know. I'm, my, it's my theory that he just got off the golf course about 30 minutes before that, playing Probably. about 36 holes, and uh, you know how the golf course gets, Bob. Big yeah, golf I guy. Yeah, I golf. I golf yeah. often. Yeah. So I'm. Yeah, you and the boys.
0: Yeah. 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 Us. We just got the, off the golf the, course. The too. fellas. Now it is 25 degrees outside, so we chose a really back lousy day to go. Tough. Yeah. Or well, dedicated. Yeah, it's true. It was a little windy as well. Uh Um, So, uh, just full disclosure, it is March 11th, 2022. The Mavericks are about to face the Houston Rockets here in about five hours. And now, if the Mavs go on to lose this game by about 30 points, don't be confused when you hear this podcast later tonight or tomorrow. We didn't play Wednesday night. We haven't played since Monday, so that's nice. thinking, why are these these clowns so jovial? However, if the Mavs do win tonight, uh, as we all hope, I guess, and maybe expect them to, then this will be a nice palate cleanser after what we all had to witness on Wednesday night. But more importantly, March 11th, 2022 is the two-year anniversary of one of the wackiest, wildest, most out-of-control, most surprising sports nights of all of our lives. And that's not just you and me and and you and you and me, Uh, y'all and me. You and also you. Uh, That is also everyone listening to this show, everyone that was watching Mavs Nuggets on March 11th, everyone that was in Oklahoma City on March eleventh, 2020, for Thunder Jazz. Um, There was a lot going on that night around the country. Really, in Golden State, they were supposed to play the next day with no fans. So that was a really unpredictable situation. Of course, we were talking about the night when COVID kind of became a thing that American sports fans kind of finally understood was a a real thing that was was happening. Uh, The night that the NBA was put on pause, Um, They smashed that suspension button, and uh, we went into Thursday morning or whatever it was thinking maybe two weeks, maybe three weeks. Yeah, it'll just be a chill two weeks. Yeah, and then uh, two years later, we're talking about that night. And so both of y'all were at the game. Mike, you were sitting next to me. Isaac, Mm -hmm. were you up in the press box with us? Were you downstairs? Okay. So we all kind of went through that together. I'm sorry that I don't remember that. Uh, a lot has happened between real friends. Then how and many now. of us? But uh, what was what was that whole? Let's let's paint the picture for for those who haven't heard the story by now.
1: Sure. Yeah. So I hope at some point there isn't a uh, definitive pivot point of. Remember my life pre-COVID. Remember my life post-COVID. I hope it's there's a there's a nice bow at the end of this story, and we can just like say, oh, remember those two to three years? That was really weird. And just kind of get on with what we're doing, but you know, not yet, at least. And that was, that was the flashpoint, man. That was, are these sports, are these industries big enough to just plow through and keep going? Uh, does the, can you hit pause on the money train? That is eighty-two games. That is regional sports networks. That is sponsorships. Is this a big enough deal to hit pause on a on a season, to halt a season in its tracks? And say, I don't have a plan to move forward right now. But I know this isn't safe. Um, and that was your answer, right? Because I was on the trip before that. That was San Antonio, Miami, Minnesota, Chicago. and That's like the, late
0: February into the first yeah, few days of March.
1: Yeah. the Well, on the Mavs plane with the team, staying in the hotel, going to all those games, covering them. And it was the Chicago game. The day before the Chicago game, I believe, maybe it might have been the the day of, but either way, we were in Chicago at the Ritz-Carlton, and you wake up and you have a text message that says, hey, everybody meet in the, uh, the ballroom at 9 a.m. Never gotten one of those before, not for everybody. You've gotten like, hey, food's available here, or hey, bags by this time. Never gotten a, hey, every single one of you jump into the ballroom at 9 a.m. So we go in there. and Luckily, you woke up at 9. Usually, I sleep in on
0: the road. Yeah, yeah. It depends <laughs> where you're at.
1: I mean, it was already kind of like high alert yeah. uh, in San Antonio and then Miami because there were already cases in Miami. Minnesota was really chill. There weren't cases in Minnesota as of yet. But obviously, I mean, cases are a lagging indicator, as we now know. There probably were. Um, but in Chicago, there were already cases. That's a very popular airport, very popular area. So it didn't do much in Chicago. I think we... Me and JLim went to some the closest place that you could walk to and come right back, right? So anyway, um, get the text message, and that's the meeting where everybody got a crash course download of this is what coronavirus is. Um, it travels this way. The best way we know to keep you from getting sick or contracting it is uh, right now, come here, get this hand sanitizer, clean your hands. They didn't really know anything necessarily about stay this distance away or is it airborne or anything like that which is that's just a really weird spot to be in number one is to be walking into an arena and just like not knowing anything about what this virus that is killing people is is doing um but it was it was definitely a use hand sanitizer every chance you get don't interact with the fans if you don't have to don't grab pins from fans and start signing things um and that was the moment then we got home and i think there was like you know a day or two or whatever the time frame there's was. More.
0: We went back to San Antonio. Did we? The Denver game was the second night of a back to back. Okay. The yeah. night before was in San Antonio and there were already a lot of cases in San Antonio. Yeah. And I was at that game and that okay. was really spooky. Yeah. That was really spooky.
1: And then more specifically March eleventh, obviously, you know, there's a there was like a palpable tension on event level already because we didn't have like a battle plan against this thing yet. There wasn't uh everybody wear masks, everybody do this, everybody do these, you know, arm yourself with these uh, the, These ways of fighting against a, a virus. And so we're sitting up there and everybody I think got the, the tweet, the <laughs> Mark reaction to the tweet yeah. of Scott handing him the phone at the exact same time. And you know, uh, Boban said, uh, I don't care. I'm dropping 30 tonight. <laughs> yeah, I got this. <laughs> he said, can't yeah, stop this. me. If, if, this, if this league never happens again, I'm going to go out with the 30 tonight. Scoring yeah. champ. Yeah.
0: Uh, at the door, they gave out ha- little hand sanitizer. Uh-huh. To everyone it smelled like straight vodka. Yep. That was – the oh, whole yeah, arena yeah, yeah. smelled like just – Well, it was hard to get. It even,
1: even in San Antonio, like a week or two before, like, we went to the CVS to try to get hand sanitizer, yeah, and it, it was just like to, we only really have wipes, shelves, right? Yeah. And so – there was already some like hoarding going on of hand sanitizer and like having to order it from places and, you know, we had to get I don't know where we got the ones we were handing out, but yeah, it was it kind of smelled like it was made in a bathtub a little
0: bit, but, yeah. <laughs> and, you know, everybody smelled like rubbing alcohol mixed with vodka. And, At the time, we didn't know if you put your hand on the rail and you yeah. have it, is that gonna live there forever? Right. I mean, none of us are epidemiologists; we don't know any of that stuff. Zero, man, know? zero. And it was, you know, obviously you pause
1: for however many days a pause, then a bubble, and then another weird season of no fans and we're here now and i feel pretty good right now but i've also i think i've felt this good before mm-hmm. um maybe about a year ago exactly this time yeah but you know yeah. we'll see how that that pans out you can't do at this point first month first you know half a year it was like i'm gonna be a warrior on this on this fence here and like tell everybody how to like fight it and like now i'm like i can't control what people are gonna do so it doesn't Just ride the wave Mm. and be as safe as you can. Mm. I was
2: talking to somebody the other day who they were supposed to have a family vacation to Mexico in March 2020 and obviously got canceled. So the company they went through, they're like, hey, you get get two years to basically book this, you know, to rebook it. So at that time, they're like, hey, let's just be safe. (laughs) March 2022. And (laughs) like leading up to it a few weeks ago, they're like, we would have never like believed in a million years that this would still be like be a thing two years later. Mm-hmm. And they were worried if they would be able, still be able to go. And I think that was the thing, looking back on it. You know, obviously with, with lockdown, we'd talk about the Mavs every single day, and it's like I went back not too long ago and listened to the first few pods after that, and it was like just the whole speculating of like how long's this gonna go. You know, Are we gonna pick back up in two weeks or three weeks or what's, you know, what are, what are we going to do? Like, what are we going to watch? We, you know, there's no, you know, trying to trying to have fun with it, but also be serious in the moment. Cause we knew everything that was happening in our, in our world. And just that night, I don't know if I've been on Twitter as much as I was like my screen time report for that week, just <laughs> out of the world. Okay. Because it's like, Steve jobs
0: is like, seriously <laughs> log off. <dude."> yeah.
2: <laughs> and it's like following along that day, that night, I mean, I'd never just been so locked into Twitter, just updating, updating, seeing report oh, OKC, okay, see the league and seeing the video of Mark and Scott showing Mark and just the vibe coming out of the arena and everybody like looking at each other and like eye contact and like you, it's just it's such a wild. It feels like it was yesterday, but it also feels like it was 10 years ago. It's. It's such a weird vi- thing to think about right now.
0: There was a weird number of people in the building, too. Everything about it was weird. <laughs> but the thing is, like, and we've talked about this on on all sorts of mediums since then, but in the moment, everything that was happening was actually happening, like, in the moment. Mm-hmm. You know, there are very few surprises in the NBA um, if you work in the NBA, you know, but that was certainly one of them. And we didn't know, you know, we left, we were there for the whole game and everything. We didn't know what was going to happen. Until the following morning, whenever we had some staff meeting at 9 or 10 in the morning, you know, sent address to everybody, you know, on the MAV staff and was like, we're going to send you all home for a little bit. So, all right, see you later. And that was like, it, and that was also the last time that our entire staff was in the same room. Like, it's, oh. been, it's been two years. Mm-hmm. You know, we're in Studio 41. Lovely Studio 41 presented by Chime right now. There's uh, three of us in here. We got Katya, Steph, and Chopper behind the cameras. Uh, dream team back then. there's mm-hmm. six of us in this room in the rest of the office combined there's probably about 12 people you know if and that, that's yeah. pretty much what it's been like around here since then uh, because you know the whole I mean the whole world kind of changed thanks to Bobon. Um, <laughs> but I mean there, that was really the first that was the first time I think in my adult life at least where things were happening that I just had no like you have no idea what's gonna happen tomorrow you have no idea what's gonna happen fi- in five minutes. You don't even know what happened five minutes ago. Like, there's no sense of time, space, anticipation. You have no idea what's going on because it kind of felt like the end of the world, and then it sort of didn't, but then it kind of was, and it still has been for a lot of people. And it's just been, it's just been a really, really wacky, really, really wild historical time that I, we actually. I told my wife day, I am
2: like, I wish I would have journaled more during that time because. I think back to, like, the first grocery trip. Mm-hmm. And, it's like, no one looked at each other. You're like, get your thing. Like was, I went that day after that meeting. I went mm-hmm. from that
0: meeting to Kroger and spent, like, 300 bucks. Because, like, I don't know. I I thought we were all going away for, like, yeah. three weeks, you know? I know. So it's wild, man. And it's
2: wild that it's still around.
1: Yeah, there's very few things that will basically affect me and my wife's, like, sit-on-the-couch conversation time whenever I get home. Like, we just sit down and, like, what's going on, blah, blah, blah. Now it's all about, you know, what the baby's doing. But um, I can remember maybe in this many fingers how many times I've gone home and we just, like, stared at the wall and just been like, I need to defragment my entire brain. Like, Mm. nothing's happening for the next two to three weeks at least, right? There was a lockdown. um, And then just, okay, how do we get our food? Is that safe? Uh, Can you get to-go food? Can you do, you know, just can I get put gas in my car without, you know, having fear that I'm going to get a respiratory virus? Mm. Um, and, you know, it's – I hope it's not one of those things where it's like, remember the time before this and the time afterwards? I mean, remember the stuff we used to do? Like, for, we used to go into the locker room after every game. yeah. Which I'm fine with not we'll doing. We'll never do like, that again. Probably. Probably, It'll probably never. Never happen again. Probably never happen again. I'm sorry, Isaac. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> my heart is breaking.
0: <laughs> <laughs> There's so many Carolina guys that have come through here yeah. the last couple of years that you just uh, have not gotten to know.
1: Yeah, I'm. <laughs> sorry. I, I'm.
0: I am actually very passionate about this uh,
2: <laughs> when it comes to like the reporting side. Not just on. Not just for like a me personally type thing, but for the stories that are that come out of those relationships built. And I don't, you know, obviously that's not our topic today. But I actually, I, I do think that that will, it will take away from some of the cool stories that we've gotten. And it's a, I think it's a dangerous, slippery slope that if we don't get that type of access moving forward, that the only type of stories that we'll get coming out is the stories that players want to give to certain reporters. Mm. That will, like, we love the Damien Lillard, like, Chris Haynes relationship. But that, and that's awesome. But, like, any story that ever comes out about Dame, Chris Haynes will always have it it's like that's the only type of stories that we'll ever have mm. like 10 years from
0: now with the, a, a new generation. of Damon, Chris Haynes, Jared Dudley and Isaac. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's it's all kind of. Mm. But anyway, anyway, but I
2: will I will really miss it. And when Adam Silver obviously talked about that as his presser at All-Star Weekend, you know, obviously there was a little, you know, Mark Spears immediately. Mm. And you know, I think Sam Amick said, you know, something to two, and I'm really curious of where that goes moving forward. Mm.
1: Yeah. And then, I mean, for people that can, I'm okay. I mean, you know me very well. We work together every day. Like I'm okay proceeding forward with just like a vague direction of knowing what's right and knowing what's good and like just keep pushing towards that way and we'll be okay. Some people cannot function without like answers to things and direction. And, and I, that was probably an extremely tough, Mental state to be in for a lot of people mm-hmm. um, and i you know I feel like I'm being a downer this whole time, but we've done a great job in like <laughs> number one, just having a bubble and making a lot of the money back, so there wasn't a giant collapse of a a league yep. happening in front of. 'Cause it would have been end. really bad. I mean it would have been awful. Not
0: to like fear monger, but that I it would have been we wouldn't be doing this. Yeah. <laughs> we probably absolutely. would not have a job right now. Absolutely. And then the
1: no fans season until the playoffs was not very fun, obviously. It's really awkward to watch basketball in an empty arena. It's not built to exist that way. Yeah. I remember one of the first games
2: in the arena with no fans, and I remember <laughs> I remember Lizelle and Becca up on the second like second level, hollering down at Dwight,
1: Hey, Dwight!
2: <laughs> and
0: Dwight, like, waving back. And it's like, this is a new era that yep. we're in right now. Like, Every dude. kid that has ever sat in the 300 section is very jealous <laughs> that Dwight responded to Becca and Lizelle and not to them because they all try. They yeah. all try yeah. from the platinum level and 300s for Luca.
1: Yeah, and I mean, I guess, you know, everyone's always doing the best they can, right? But I feel like we navigated this to where we have, like, a normal season that's enjoyable. And we're talking about who's the MVP, who's going to get home court in the West or in the East. Um, you know, some of these giant teams that are put together as like super teams, not uh, exceeding expectations or living up to them instead of, does this season really count? Like, are we doing this one? Is this championship going to be tarnished? You know, that type of stuff. We're talking about the basketball that's on the court, the fun stuff that made us fall in love with this game, that made us want to do this for a living. Um, so, I don't know. I feel lucky that it only took this long. And it's been, you know, we felt pretty normal since the beginning of the season, I guess. It did have a mid pop back up. It will not go away. It was a bit of a zombie a couple months ago that just reappeared. But I feel, I feel lucky that going into the end of the season and the playoffs,
0: it's just about the basketball right now. Thank you, Bobon. Mm-hmm. Thank you, Bobon. So, uh, speaking of basketball, it's March 11th. One month ago yesterday, while we're talking about anniversaries, one month ago yesterday was the day when the Maps traded Kristaps Porzingis to Washington for Spencer Dinwiddie and Davis Bertans. Mike, you were basically sitting right there when you found yeah. out. I was basically sitting where Isaac is. Katia was basically sitting where I am now. Chopper was sitting where Katia is now. And Steph was basically <laughs> exactly where Steph is. So mm-hmm. we're pretty much all... Isaac where were you for that by the way? Oh my gosh.
2: I don't I can't remember what I was doing. I was probably in a meeting. You probably yeah, you probably at work right? I was. was I was Thursday, I was in yeah. a meeting in and a meeting that up.
0: could have been an email. <laughs> it, oh, oh, you do, oh, man. Yeah. <laughs> That's a whole But people from work might be watching this podcast so just be
2: careful. But when my the my phone went off and I literally in the meeting I was like <laughs> and i just I, did, I didn't even like obviously i didn't care about the meeting after that but <laughs> it was just wild then yeah
0: yeah that was a i don't know if it was like big enough to be a where were you moment i guess depending on how the season goes out how's how his career plays out all you know all that stuff might become a little more significant but in the moment it felt like the biggest thing of all time uh but we've had a month kind of to you know abridged month because of the all-star break and everything um but the basketball has been pretty good, probably better than many of us maybe thought. I remember right after the trade, it was like, well, the ceiling is lower on this team. And I wasn't so sure about that because we just saw them lose in the first We round pushed back on ago. that.
2: He, we, we did a, a pod with yeah, the talk that, day. that yeah. next day in here. And yeah. we pushed back on that notion yeah. that.
0: And that's not even being like wearing my Mav shirt, being cash. Cashing checks from the Mavs coming up on the fifteenth. Like Mavs State Media over here. We just saw the Mavs lose the, in the first round two years in a row. Like, how could their ceiling be any lower? Yeah. Unless they just mm-hmm. don't make the playoffs at all, which would be a big bummer. But like, I just don't necessarily agree with that. However, I also wasn't expecting them to be like one of the top five teams in the league after that either. So, what is kind of, what are we witnessing here?
1: Well, I think uh, I think I read something yesterday from his talk that was pretty awesome uh, about the trade. That he just kind of summed it up really well, which was. The KP trade was a signal that they're fully buying into Jason Kidd's system. It's a double down on let's play defense and small ball. And I never thought about it that way. I just thought about it as, you know, you think of it in transactional, like trading this guy that we might think is a borderline all-star for two guys that, you know, aren't necessarily at that level, at least right now in their career, especially this season. Because, I mean, we all heard the... Spencer's stuff whenever he's in Washington you know he doesn't like playing with teammates that are worried about the wrong stuff I guess you know Um, like I guess that's the case um, because there seemed to be a lot wrong with Washington uh, earlier in the season Um, so that was kind of I just kind of marked him off as like a trade target or somebody we wanted to acquire because you you just hear some noise and you're just kind of like I don't really need that noise right you know like avoid the avoid the noise but Yeah,
0: seven months ago, you and I were like... Yeah, sign this guy. We're like, Dinwiddie? Yes, get this guy.
1: Get this guy for sure. Um, But, I mean, overall, the KP trade, I was bummed at the moment because I wanted him to succeed here. Like, I wanted that... They took such a giant gamble on health, longevity. Is he going to come back from... He was injured when they traded for him. They sent... Multiple firsts, a lot of veterans, a lot of guys that Luca was probably really tight with. It was, a, it was a big swing, and I like whenever teams do that, cash in the chips, say it's time to go get that other one uh, because it, it takes a lot of self-awareness, number one. So I was bummed that he didn't become, you know, an all-star here or we aren't going to forever say Luca and K.P., You know, that's not going to be what we talk about 10 years from now necessarily. Um, But when you're inside of a team, things happen before people outside of the team realize. And they either made the decision that this is a move that we, we we need to make, we need to get off of this, we need to play a different kind of basketball at this point, this guy doesn't fit necessarily with what we're trying to do, or his injury history is going to prohibit us from being the team we want to be throughout a season and into the playoffs, possibly. So either way they came to that conclusion, every time they do this, and they do this, I mean, letting Rick go at the offseason last year was a very hard look in the mirror. This is not who we're going to be anymore. And
2: Rick left on his own.
1: Okay, sure, sure. Um, (laughs) But, like, that's something Mark's always been really good at is it's almost like ripping the band-aid you know what i mean like just just staring in the mirror and going okay we could just continue and hope everything just kind of course corrects and you know trust rick can get it right and roll kp back and but and before these things are happening before i think everybody like it settles in that they need to happen which i'm i'm kind of i'm more than okay with like i like the move before the move needs to happen but I'm not going to lie, whenever I saw Dinwiddie and Davis were the return, I was kind of, like, underwhelmed just because I didn't know what those guys were going to bring. I know Davis. I know exactly what that guy does. And
0: We programmed these, ourselves, too, to think of, like, if they're ever going to trade KP, it's yes. going to be trade yes. up. Yes. KP plus a pick for an all-star. 100%. KP plus Josh Green for an all-star or whatever. 100%. We never thought that it would be deconstructing that. Yes. You
1: know. Yeah, I mean, whenever you think about moving KP over the last couple of years and, you know – you're lying to yourself if you haven't didn't think about it whenever you got acquired here. And, um, you know, we think about that with every player almost, right? It's like, okay, what, I'm on, I'm on this ledge. Can I jump to that next ledge? Does KP get you a certified all-star with, uh, some picks and another player mixed in, right? Does KP get you a, a young player that they're just missing a center or something like that? And, not you know I never ran Spencer Dinwiddie and Davis Bertans through the trade machine for KP yeah. I'm just going to be honest yeah. I just didn't cuz I didn't think that was what they were looking at um in the wizards to be honest yeah yeah the wizards at all um because I mean I don't know they had a bunch of dudes that were playing center and then you know they refused to give our guy Daniel Gafford any <laughs> yeah, minutes. Yeah, they got Gafford, Thomas Bryant. Um, they got Montrez was there. Mm. So it's like they're deep at 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 big, right? And they don't really. I don't know why they'd be in the market for this dude. So Just I never drafted Rui. Yeah, exactly. So I didn't. I didn't see that as a target at all. But, um, it really took a lot of okay, pause for a second and like rethink what what's the structure of this and how does this work. And it's way it's fit way simpler than I thought it was gonna be. I thought they were going to try like a bunch of stuff and, you know, maybe just having minutes available because Tim got injured really quickly after that uh, has ironed a lot of it out. But I thought it was going to be like, man, now we're in, we just stepped into the chemistry lab and now we got to try about 20 different things, figure out where these guys fit. But honestly, I mean, you can watch what Spencer Dinwiddie's been about (laughs) since his time here. And that dude has been, absolutely insane I mean like on a Jason Terry level insane in a Mavericks uniform and I love it I love it he brings something different than almost every other player uh not named Tim Hardaway can bring um and you know Davis is going to figure out where he fits in but I was whenever it came in and we saw that the first information that hit you was the Dallas Mavericks are acquiring Spencer Dinwiddie the other half of that you know uh that lever that was moving, I did not see KP over here yeah. <laughs> whenever it happened. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. I, I, you know, I, I think it takes a lot of courage
0: to do that. Normally you don't see like a player for two player or player for player trade reported in like three different parts. Yeah. First it was like Dinwiddie. It was a novella. All right. Oh, Dinwiddie four KP. Yeah. But the, how does that work? Oh, mm. oh, and, and Burton's like, it mm. really sort of like, uh, yeah. came out. Um, Isaac, I guess, like, your initial reaction, it's a month ago now, but uh, talking about Dinwiddie-Bertons, do you like the fit? It feels like the dialogue has already shifted from, is Spencer Dinwiddie good, actually, to, like, should the Mavs just bench Brunson and let <laughs> Dinwiddie start now? Like, it's happened very quickly. Where do you fall on that sort of narrative? No,
2: yeah, so I I was excited in the moment, and I I was more – I think I was surprised by – the collective fan backlash of the trade, because you know we're we're all active on Twitter because that's where a lot of that portion of fan reaction is. Obviously, Mavs Twitter doesn't represent the whole fan base, but it's like you see so much, so many opinions about KP for so long, and it's like, all right, they trade him, and I was like, whoa! All of a sudden, like the same fans think that you know, mm-hmm. it's like, what? Why did they trade him for this? And so I was surprised by that, but I was, I was immediately happy in the moment because I've been wanting that third guy for so long to be a ball handler, a creator, that who's that other guy that can get to the basket. Because you go back to last year's playoffs, and we all know how the Clipper series played out, and him being in the corner, all the comments, subtle comments, passive-aggressive. So all, coming out of that series, it's like, all right, something is changing. We've seen the reports. We've seen how, you know, the KP, what did he want to be here? All of that. It's like, all right, something's going to change. And then Donnie's gone. And then Rick's gone. It's like, all right, well, that's that's the change. Now they're going to run it. Now KP, because if they stayed, I was like, all right, there's no way KP's on this roster at the beginning of the season if Donnie and Rick was back. Because it's like they weren't running the whole thing back again. So when that change happened and then KP, you know, they were like, hey, we're going to run it back. We seen everything they were saying, like, "Hey, we want to try to utilize KP, get him the ball," but it still was never a perfect fit. Like, it was still, it still felt like two styles that was kind of clashing in a way. And w- so, when that when that trade happened, I was like, "Yes, let, let's go!" I, you know, I even sent out a tweet. I'm like, "I feel like I'm higher on this trade than some people, just because it, it wasn't mainly because I thought Dinwiddie was going to be what Dinwiddie is right now already, but it was more of Hey, now we get to see a different style. We get to mm-hmm. see them, we don't have to clash anymore. We don't we get to see them fully embrace a style and a system that we're like, we don't have to really ask questions anymore. Like, we know how they're gonna play. We know how they're gonna play on both sides of the ball. We know what they're trying to build now. Instead of trying to fit two guys to cl- and yeah, there was the, the health stuff too. I think there was a level of fatigue. I think it was like, mm-hmm. all right, he's out you know, he's out again for and I hate that because like, like you saying, it's like I wanted him to succeed here, and like him with media, him with like he seemed like a cool dude to like talk to. Anytime I remember he when he first got to Dallas in the locker room, I remember him like shaking shaking our hands, introducing himself. Mm-hmm. It's like, hey, my name's Chris. Like all this stuff, and it's like players just don't do that. Mm-hmm. And he was always a joy to talk to in the locker room. So for like that dude, I was like bummed that it wasn't working out. But from a basketball sense, when the trade happened, I was like. All right, because also look at his value. Like, you, we all listen to, like, national stuff, it's like, I feel like the national narrative around him, reporters are reporting about his trade value back, mo- you know, six months before the trade was, man, even if Dallas wanted to trade him, Dallas would have to attach stuff to, you know, to trade him to get that number off their books. Mm-hmm. So when the trade happened and Dallas didn't attach anything, it was, I was like, wow, like, they really pulled it off. They they got another creator. We'll see what Dinwiddie is, but also it gives them what was the word they used multiple times. Nico used it multiple times after the trade. Flexibility. Mm -hmm. It gives them that flexibility, roster rotations, but also money wise, a splitting that contract up. And now you have this eighteen million dollars. This you know sixteen. Like you have these two contracts where if you want to package contracts together, you have so many contracts now Mm -hmm. that if you want to go get somebody later on, you can. Yeah. Couple. Can I add a
1: couple things on that? No. All right, fine, go ahead. Do your thing. Uh, you can't have a player on a max contract that plays that percentage of games. It's a recipe. It stinks, but it's, it's true. I it's mean. a recipe for disaster. Like, you're, you're stuck where you're at. And realizing that you're a move away from the move you want to be making is, is pretty huge. Just realizing that to have any kind of flexibility, to be able to change the way we play or upgrade our talent level, I've got to get off this contract, this max contract right here, and not have to throw in, you know, firsts or other assets into Bryce that. Sink yeah. other, you know, create a sunken asset, create a boat for yourself that sits in your driveway now. Um, to be able to do that and be able to see that that far down the road and say that maybe this isn't the final version of the – this might not be the best Mavericks team that we see with Luka Doncic. And I don't think it will be. I think we're maybe a couple of years away. But them knowing that, they got his extension done, obviously, in the offseason. He's going to be here for, you know, what, five after this year, five, four after this year, guaranteed right now, right? So that's under contract. So just thinking long-term and going, like, I can either lock this thing in, and we can try and figure this out. And in a couple years, if it doesn't work out, then we're, like, redoing the coach thing again and the GM thing again and reinventing how we play basketball again and talking about post-ups and trying to force KP into playing more minutes and shooting something besides threes and doing this whole bit for years and years to come. They said, let's make an extremely good defensive basketball team, which, credit to them, they had the vision for. I didn't know these, this collection of dudes who like, do this exact thing. If you throw these dudes into the simulator, I didn't necessarily see a top-five defense. And so I thought you just didn't really have an identity. And your identity was you're trying to get the best out of KP. Like, that was your identity. That was, like, if you look at, like, where the team's going, like, it's like, oh, you know, one-star one, one star player away for this team. And our our identity was trying to get the best out of KP for an extended, uh, you know, months and playoff series playing time. Like, that's what – that's – That's all we've been trying to do for so long. And to say, I'd like to exit off of this highway and just have some flexibility, have some options. I think that takes a lot of courage and maturity to just look at yourself and go like, you know, I I could say everything's fine,
0: but really I I see a way. I see a better way. Maybe they know who that guy is. I feel like everybody thinks that it's gotta be a guy right like the, you have to have the duo mm-hmm. I'm not sure that that's the case ultimately I wonder what like you know we look into our our, our little our glowing orb our crystal ball mm-hmm. into the future five ten years from now whenever Luca is at his best whenever that is age 30 whatever what is the ideal team around him? Is it Luca and a bunch mm-hmm. of shooters, or is it Luca and another guy? Is it Luca and two guys? Yeah, we is, talk about this all the time. Yeah, is Luca eventually somehow the second best player on the right. team? I mean, what, what does that look like? We have no idea. Mm-hmm. Maybe they have the idea, um, but you're not going to get to that. You're not going to get from point A to point B without something in between. In chess, guys, <laughs> in chess. <laughs> a move away from the move. Yeah, there's something called an intermezzo move <laughs> mm-hmm. where you – have a direct idea. Here we go. Right, nerd I'm, Bobby. I'm taking that. I'm taking that h7 pawn. I'm, that's he's what gonna, I'm doing. I'm gonna misquote this and get dunked on. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. No, I'm not. But chess, chess people are elitist. Yeah, they yeah, will yeah. correct me if so I get it wrong. I gotta speak you so I got to be careful. You know you're going for that h7 pawn, but you can do something. You can throw in a little something in between to make your attack a little more annoying to handle, a little more destructive because even though your opponent knows exactly what you're going to do and you know exactly what you're going to do, you can toss in a little extra to help make it even more devastating. Mm-hmm. Um, and it also, it's an in-between move. It just makes the end result a little better, a little more damage. like glass of water and, like, piece of bread before you go to bed after a long night of whatever you're yeah, doing out yeah, there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And now, you know... That's maybe not the perfect metaphor. Uh, trying to avoid a hangover, maybe uh. not the perfect metaphor to talk about a trade. Um, but you know, if you can't go from A to B, you, you got to go from A to C. Uh-huh. Like this is the this is the B. Right. And now I maintain, I understand that everybody loves building teams. I understand that everybody, you know, everyone loves looking at cap sheets, trade machine, two K. I understand all that stuff. But I maintain that talking about money, it makes it sucks the joy out of sports. Yeah. The way nothing else can. Mm-hmm. Like. Bring up the NFL salary cap, dude. I don't understand restructured contracts. I don't care. Yeah. I don't, just, just show me stats. Basketball, same thing. However, um, it is important if you're trying to, you know, they're going to be over the tax. Mm-hmm. At this point, they're going to be over the apron. There are a lot of restrictions on what you can do if you're over the apron. There's a lot of restrictions if you're over the tax, even more if you're over the apron as far as signing trades and what you can offer mid-level and, uh, you know, all this stuff. And so, if you're trying to jettison salary, it's a whole lot easier to jettison fifteen million than thirty five million mm-hmm. um, and so on and so on and obviously contract matching and everything i mean yeah. m- mechanically there's a there's a whole lot of things that are now possible and now much easier than would have been mm-hmm. um, the case. however, I want to also emphasize you know and this is I don't know that this is my fault because you and I can't talk about this. Isaac, I don't know if it's your fault because you kind of can't talk about this. Uh, I don't know if it's you Cuban's fault or if people want to blame Donnie or if people want to blame Brad Townsend or whoever, but it feels like forever we have been selling the... We just that one guy. We're mm. going to get that one guy. You know, that yeah. has been kind of the... Well, the, that's how
1: people think about NBA team building, which is like the most hilarious thing at the moment because I don't... that. Teams that are really good now that I think I would predict for finals are Bucks, right? Suns. They were neither of them are
0: super teams.
1: They are not super teams. Suns are
0: kind of I mean, not
1: in the conventional sense. Not in the conventional sense. S- they, they just drafted that. extremely well. Yeah, like, they're that's the really meat dang, of the Suns. And then the Bucks the same way, or right? like talent acquisition for years, and then they weren't really good at the beginning of Giannis, and then he made that leap, right? So it's e- it's so much easier to go like, okay, why don't I cash in these two twenties and go get a forty. And cash in these other two twenties and get another forty dollars, and you know everything. Just have these three guys, and that's what everybody can write about every day. And everybody can, you know, make the T-shirts of uh, you know this guy, this guy, this guy, and like that's what people. And I, these guys are gonna be in the All-Star game. It's gonna Durk be great. And Chandler and Rajon. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <and> Tyson. That's, <laughs> that's what people like. That's what NBA fandom. The people that aren't really, really into it. That's what they love. They like that kind of
0: super team building. Like be able to name but three that's guys. That's why we've on that been team. pitching. Yeah, you're gonna right. go get star. Not we, right? We the, the royal we is. But oh, I stars want to play here. Stars want to play here. And right. So you, but sometimes in order to get that, you got to do some other. Well, it, it makes
1: it makes the story easy to tell.
0: They were better because they had
1: LeBron, AD, and you know Phil in whatever third guy. They were better because they had these three players it was just the elite talent that won out after all it couldn't possibly be that they have a you know exceptional defensive scheme and they played their asses off and gotten passing lanes every single time and made it hell for you and And like seventh man should be a starter on this team yeah that's that's like such a harder story to write and story to tell like that's why the 2011 Mavs championship is still like fascinating to this day right because it wasn't that style it wasn't the heat championship where you're just like oh it's just those three guys and you know hit fast forward I've I've absorbed everything I need to understand about the Heat team. Um, So people, whenever they think about team building, they think about that. That's the kind of team building that average fans think about. They don't think about Dorian Finney-Smith starting 82 games every stinking year and being a plus in the box score, like, every night. And you got to have that guy on the court. They don't think about acquiring Dorian Finney-Smith, Maxi Kleba, Dwight Powell starting, like... Jalen Brown, they don't think about those type of dudes and like making this core of a defensive unit that is a game-changing unit. And so I understand that's the fun part is to be like, ooh, who's the next guy? who's our next guy? Who's our next, like, you know, to me, Luca and this guy, or Luca and these two guys, and that's what'll beat anybody. That's like the that's the, you know, nuclear bomb that no one can defend or whatever. And I just I don't think that's a way to get things done. Like whenever we were chasing, allegedly chasing, like Darren Williams back in the day and, like, Dwight Howard back in the day. And I saw a lot of guys start getting signed, like, second day of free agency going places. Freaking Kyle Lowry goes to the Heat back that, you know, back in those days or to the Raptors back in those days for, like, a very manageable salary and, like, a long contract. And I'm like, I don't know. Maybe if I had three B-level players, that'd be better than that one A-plus level player. Yeah. It's like, just build a good team. Mm. Just build a damn good basketball team and quit worrying about, you know, got to have these three max level guys. And to be to be clear on what I was talking about with KP, not just max level salary, guy that expects shots in the starting lineup, like there's more to it than just like here's $35 million. It's guy needs touches, guy needs to start, guy needs minutes, um, that type of stuff. To get off of that, uh, that expectation that comes with that as well, is there's some value to it. And just guys that, I mean, you know, Spencer and Jalen are kind of bouncing forth, back and forth in the lineup, and Maxi has as well, and, you know, just guys that are willing to go out there and play no matter what, there's some, there's some value to being able to trick an
0: opponent in a series. What is the idealized Luka roster? Whether that's right now, maybe this is the best it'll ever be, five years from now, ten years from now, whenever Luka is, whenever Luka, is Luka, what is, what's around him?
2: I think it's an iteration of what it is now. I think you have a couple guys on the perimeter, the catch and shoot that, you know, it's kind of like what they're building now. It's, you have, like, who do you have? You have Dorian and Reggie. They're taking your one and two guys on the other team, they're guarding them on the perimeter. You have another guy on the floor with Luca that can also create, that allows what, you know, what kid, some of these dribble handoff stuff that kid is, been incorporating to the system this year of having Luca roll off screens and come off the line getting the ball right there at the free throw line, and then m- having like making his choice like instead of every single offensive possession, Luca's at the top of the key and like hey let 's run high pick and roll, which is awesome and then and part of that is let 's have an elite rim roller like what what the role that Dwight is playing right now it's like mm-hmm. can how, what does that elite rim roller look like? I mean in a perfect world that rim roller can also pop out at times and, and hit an outside shot for whenever that defender stays with Luca and they, he has kind of that double and he does that behind the back, over the head, you know, past the maxi whenever maxi's in that spot. But I think that's the, for me, that's the, that's the type of team that you build around Luca.
1: Mm-hmm. I think the, the guy that'll set the screens, what Dwight does, I say this all the time, like Dwight at his best, and Luca. The rest of the guys, I can go find three guys to fill into the starting lineup. I think over time, that can shoot and defend and switch. Like, I think those guys are kind of gettable now. The elite ones are not, obviously. They don't get traded. They don't get, <laughs> they don't get signed for anything less than Max, right? The elite wing players don't. But
2: there's a reason Mikael Bridges got mm-hmm. his extension over DeAndre Ayton. Yeah. I think so. I mean, I know it's it, there's probably some money part of that, but man,
0: Mikhail what's Bridges, going on with them? Is DeAndre <laughs> on the Suns next year? Do you? I mean, what do y'all think?
1: I don't know. I have I no. Like I have probably, no feel for yeah, that. I mean, I think it's pretty weird. It's, it's a weird situation. just the best weird they've ever them. been. Ever. Yeah, yeah. Like you can't ever. just
0: like say bye bye.
1: Yeah. Yeah. No. I mean, and that's the thing. Like you start looking at whenever people start thinking about, okay, what is what is Super Dwight, right? Yeah. Who 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 does the Dwight role? In the league right now, but is like doing it the absolute best. Guys that make thirty million dollars, like, exactly. Out of bio, and you don't want, you, know? you do not want a maxed out center. No. Yeah, like look at the teams that have centers making thirty five million dollars. Besides, like Joel, On Jokic. Yeah, there's only like there's like the of those two. There's like the, two, three. There's yeah. like the yeah. three dudes, yeah. and the rest is like. Holy crap, we're paying that guy that much? Drummond was making
2: $30 million <laughs> last yeah. year.
0: $30 million. Yeah.
1: But only, I mean, if he could have been a Mav. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Changed it Kawhi's all. is going down, dude. <laughs> yeah. So I, I think the core of, like, the thing you go to no matter what, which is what we, I remember talking about this <laughs> 11 years ago now, is, like, what happens when everything is on fire? Like, the whole room is on fire, and you have a bad possession, and their defense has snuffed you out. And you got nothing going, and it's okay. It's Dirk Nowitzki. Like he's gonna get a good look no matter what, right? So, what is our version of that? To me, it is high pick and roll or some level of setting multiple screens at a distance to get Luca downhill. How do you do that? A Dwight Powell, a super Dwight, uh, whatever the next version of that guy is. I don't care. I don't even care if they can shoot. I just want them to plow through the lane and run at the rim. And just really piss people off and drive other defenses crazy and make them yeah. scramble constantly. That's all I want. The other three guys, offensively, need to be able to shoot it a little bit. We've gotten that, right? We got Reggie, we got a Reggie, we got a Dorian, we got a Jalen right now. Yeah. Like those dudes just catch and shoot assassins. And then defensively it gets way more complex because you're covering for, you know, how to play Luca defensively. But I think switchable guys and we're not that far away from that. I think that's the best thing. That's what makes me Extremely hopeful that this isn't the
0: best version of Luka Doncic as a Dallas Maverick we're ever going to see. The Mavs do have Turbo Dwight, by the way. Josh Green. (laughs) Okay. Oh, wow. (laughs) It's happening. Wow. Get ready. Get ready, Utah. (laughs) Jeez. Uh, Speaking of of Utah, Mavs Mm -hmm. beat them the other day. Very good game. Mm -hmm. Uh, Mavs win the season series against the Nuggets. That tiebreaker is looking very crucial right Mm now. Um, They have a chance to even the tiebreaker against Utah. However, with Utah likely to win the Northwest Division, they would hold the tiebreaker – regardless uh, if the Mavs end up tied with them, which is kind of a bummer, but you still have a chance to pass them. Um, It's likely at this point that either Utah or Golden State will be the first-round matchup. Mm -hmm. Memphis is still a possibility. Of course, there's still a chance, depending on what happens the rest of the way, the Mavs could fall all the way out of this thing, all the way down to seventh. Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, there's three or four different teams that they could face in the first round. There's scenarios where they face Denver in the 4-5. I mean, anything is really on the table. Um, so, you know, I don't, I guess this question is being asked a lot already. And I feel like everyone has already said Utah just for the drama and stuff. Uh, some people think Memphis for their inexperience. Uh, some people think Denver cause they're not afraid of anyone, which I say, watch, be careful <laughs> what you wish for. Um, but what is, in rather than saying, who do you want to play the most? <laughs> I'm going to say, I'm going to ask, um, now that they're this is a, def- a defensive team, mm-hmm. this is a team that's going to have to win games 99 to 92 in the playoffs, um, how does that shift your outlook on potential for success, both in round one and moving forward, potentially? Mm-hmm. Um, being able to win games in two ways now and not just one, really, um, does that push the barometer forward a little bit, or are you still in a situation where – no matter who they play, it's going to be the other guys are the favorites. I mean, what what is your – does defense really win championships? I mean, does it really make you more optimistic? I think it definitely does. Like, I think your ceiling has been raised in the unfun
1: way, which is having a top-five defense. You watch every single year. It's not the guys that break the three-point shooting record necessarily, outside of Golden State, of course, um, or the guys that are top-five offense – bottom 15 defense that end up making the conference finals. It's the top five defensive teams. And sometimes the offense is with that, you know, Phoenix, Milwaukee, those type of teams are going to be top five, top 10 in both categories. But I think you've raised your potential. Thank you. By making this, not you, (laughs) uh, by making this a defensive basketball team. Because I have a lot of confidence playing Utah after seeing what, maybe, you know, that is the second night of back-to-back they just played us on. but. Man, the inability to create quality shots like consistently out of them was yeah. a wow for me. Yeah. Without Donovan Mitchell, like had to kill himself every possession just to get like a decent look for them.
0: It was it was staggering to watch, right? It was it was kind of like it was very oh much goodness. that way in Utah. Just happened yeah. so happened that they just hit enough tough threes. Yeah. I mean, they really did to win by five or whatever.
1: Yeah. Now Denver,
0: I obviously don't want to tangle with with Jokic over seven
1: games. Like he's gonna. Go nuclear and like three of them. But also they have guys coming back that haven't been there, and that is is a weird element to throw in there like a couple weeks for the playoffs. If everyone's healthy, right? Memphis, I really don't want any part of, <laughs> quite honestly. Really? I don't I don't want to mess. I don't want to tangle with those dudes right now. Uh they got a couple psychos on their team that really, really scare me. But
0: I don't know. I think do we play them again, if we play them again, like I'll judge. I'll judge that at whenever the season, end of the season comes Utah around. Utah is the only team ahead of Dallas in the standings that they play the rest wow. of the way. It's Jeez, two against tough. Minnesota, one against Utah, and then they play, obviously, every... Mm. If you're in the East and you are good, the Mavs mm. play you in your gym. Jeez. Well, I mean, we've gone into
1: the last two seasons. I think the formula that you would write down on a piece of paper going into a series is, okay, Luka or KP has a couple you know, catch-fire games, and we steal one, and then we have a really good three-point shooting game. And if that doesn't happen, we're losing this game. We have multiple, pl- multiple ways to win games and multiple ways to play right now yeah. in a playoff series to where if you shoot 30% from three, the game's not over. You know what I mean? And I think that's a very valuable thing to have is different cards yeah. in your pocket that you can go, that's great. You know, you're going to shut down Jalen, you're going to shut down these other guys and have that. Play Jalen out of this series. Let, play off Maxie. Play off Dorian. You know what? You're still not going to score 100 on us. So we're going to turn this into a dogfight, and we're going to do that for seven games. And, you know, hopefully we make it out of the first round. But there are different ways to play everybody now, and I think that's super valuable.
2: Yeah, so a few weeks ago I was pretty adamant. I was like, I want Utah. And I still feel that way. Mm-hmm. I
1: want them. They're
2: at the top of my list. Um, who I don't want is Denver. I don't want any part of Jokic. Uh, also, don't want Golden State. I just don't want. To, I don't want to deal with Jokic and Steph in a series. I just don't. I don't want to do any type of
0: anything. It's a like lot that. of clenching going up against a Steph team, dude. It's a yeah, lot of clenching,
2: and it's just you know you look at this this newer system that we're in now. That you know is it maximized against a Golden State team whenever they're running Draymond at at the five against us? At, like you look at that last Golden State game. That, that game ended with Otto Porter and Dorian at the fives. Like, they can go they, – they'll go small. And then, yeah, I don't know what Clay's going to be like in the playoffs, but just the idea of Draymond, Clay, and Steph going against them in a the first round of playoff series, I just – if I have my preference, I don't want to go against that. So that's why Utah's one, Memphis, them together kind of above the – above Golden State and Denver for me. And it just – the reason I put the Memphis angle scares me and I, I feel the same with Mike on because I think Jaren Jackson's so versatile as a five that he can switch off and guard people. That's why I would rather take the let, let's let's do the Utah series. I, I'm 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 actually very confident in it. And then I, saw so I said that, and then of course Utah beat us a while back, and then of course you know I got the D. And, hey, how confident are you now? You still want them? <laughs> like actually, I do. I still yeah. do want them. Yeah. Like I'll, I'll I'll play the odds with that. And I just I have questions about them on the perimeter. I like and plus like Denver. They all Denver always plays Luca well. It feels like in the past they've always tried to I don't know. They've done weird things. So if I had a preference, Utah is that for me. I'll take the Rudy Gobert match. Even though I think you know Rudy might be upset about our bench and the Mavs bench talking to him and stuff. So
0: uh, you know I feel bad for him for what the (laughs) Mavs bench said to. to Dallas, Utah, Dallas, Memphis would both be very good for basketball. Mm-hmm. Dallas, Memphis, Luca Jaw, the power of the narrative. Mm-hmm. We we need it. Can we agree we that we don't have to hate Jaw though? <laughs> no. I'm so annoyed by Jha, this. Dude. Now, God. play Memphis in a series. Memphis wins four-one. Maybe you know what <laughs> Jaw? You know what Jaw? Why do you call yourself twelve in <laughs> third person all the time? That's kind of weird. Uh, Dallas, Utah would be good for basketball because it's messy. Mm-hmm. Everyone hates the first round, you know. No one is tuning in because it's all th- there's only one game per week basically, and it's all scatterbrained. No one would miss Luca versus Rudy. It'd be the most nah. just the cattiest, messiest series. Is ever. he the It'd is he
2: awesome. the least
0: liked player among NBA players in the league? Maybe star yeah. level guy, possibly. Yeah. I mean, I feel like they take it too far, honestly. I just like feel the like there's so many players stuff.
2: that openly have like dislike him. And even you know seeing Luca and all that the other night too, and it's just like, dang, bro! Like
0: even on your team, they don't. But there's so many players that op- that he openly blocks at the, you know, like yeah. he is a generational defensive player. But does it work in the playoffs? I don't know. I mean, maybe the Mavs would be the ones that have to crack the code. I mean, I guess the Clippers already did last year, and that's the ultimate. Like going back way to the off season, you know, last off season, um, you know, a lot of people wanted Lowry or a guard, and the Mavs only came away with basically Bullock and Sterling Brown and Nilikina. Um, you know, three kind of lower tier non A-listers, but all three of those guys could have played against the Clippers. Mm -hmm. You know, all three of those guys can play against Utah. Uh, all three of those guys can guard Donovan Mitchell. I mean, at least you can put them on Donovan Mitchell. You can put them on at the time, Joe Ingalls or Bogdanovich or Mike Conley or Paul George or Kawhi Leonard, and they can all at least not, you don't, they don't need a double team, Mm -hmm. you know, to guard the best players. And so, um, we're not going to play the Clippers. That's all I care about. Yeah, yeah, it's going to be someone else. It's going to be someone else. I don't
1: want to play the Clippers ever again (laughs) the rest of Luka's career in the playoffs unless it's in the Western Conference Finals to get to the finals because, I don't know, when I think about, like, the perfect – like, Utah is number one, and there's definitely a teardrop of, like, some space there of, like, don't make me choose between the rest of these guys. Um, I think Golden State would be an incredible amount of fun. I don't know if that – equals success for us be necessarily They're so good with Draymond, dude yeah that's that's the thing when i look at these teams the number one thing i'm looking at now at this point in the season is okay do you have multiple guys that can move the ball and keep your offense cooking no matter what i don't know if memphis has that if you like just shut down jaw like we've got some really good games uh playing against memphis where that we we cracked the code and we 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 snuffed it out we got them right um Utah, obviously, like if Conley's not doing his thing and it's got to be Donovan Mitchell for 48 minutes, like we just proved the other night, like that's it's not a great formula for them. But that's the thing I'm looking for. I'm like, if our defensive unit, if our scheme takes primary ball handler away or just either lets him score and not kick to the three-point line and whatever, nullifies him as best we can, do they have another, do they have a counterpunch, right? And Denver, if Murray's back, and Porter's back and Jokic is still playing like an alien, like that's they can just cut you in about five different ways, right? Golden State obviously can, that's what they do. So those are the two that I'd most that are in the bottom. In the in between,
0: like, yeah. Be careful what you wish for with Denver. Just be careful what you wish Oh, for. I don't want. They're yeah, so I don't. Good. I don't want. You know, I'm. I'm just warning the fans. Because yeah, yeah. Denver's been behind the Mavs all year. Mm-hmm. No matter, man. Is you don't, don't want to see Jokic. Is it still for you guys? Get past the first round
2: and it's mm-hmm. success. Yes. For me, yep. it is. I just yes. wonder, like, does it matter what happens in the second round for you to be like? No. Like, in, in an ideal series. world, it's like, all right, yeah, if they go seven, they lose in the second round, you, you're feeling good about the it. The thing
0: is, like, if they play well enough to win the first round, they're not going to get swept. Now, if they play Phoenix and lose 4-0 in every game is by two points, I'm going to be mad forever, <laughs> you know? <laughs> mm-hmm. But, like, I feel like if they play well enough to get out of the first round, they're going to be playing well enough to win one or two. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. And At before... least. I mean, maybe even, more. I, you know what I mean. That's... Yeah. Before, before Wednesday night, I, was, I think I
1: was had a conversation with him about it a conversation with Coop about it. That this is the best basketball they've played, collectively as a unit, as a team, as a full, full basketball team. Sitting on that end of the court, in Luka Doncic's Maverick's career, mm-hmm. to me, like I look down there and I see, this this looks different. Yeah, this looks like something else besides what I've seen, the previous three seasons, and you know, record will tell you that whenever we were 23-7 and at one point, but just eye test and watching every single game and every single possession, it looks like different basketball is happening. And that's the thing that's most encouraging to me because obviously Wednesday night was a (laughs) kick you right in the teeth, like confidence breaker. Um, But I still feel really, really good. Like, and I think a lot of teams are playing exceptional basketball at this point, which is makes it all the more fun. Like we can't get out of Denver's grasp like they're playing so well but i don't know i i if you if you make it out of the first round the caliber of basketball that you're going to be playing at that point i think it's all positive from there yeah because you realize how perfect you have to be in this second round to win the one two one two three or four games you're going to win yeah against this caliber of team so i think it's all pocket that that's learned experience this is how we have to play.
2: And I want to see what this next week does for the Mavs. Like, you're getting a really good Boston team. Like, it's on fire right now on Sunday. Probably the best team in the NBA right now. Mm. Yeah, and it's like, you you know, obviously Brooklyn had a big win, you know, against Philly and KD and those guys. Like, and then you get, you know, Philly on Friday, back-to-back with Charlotte on that Saturday. It's like, that's a that's a big week coming up that, mm-hmm. you know what, does your opinion – if they go in, they win – three out of four of those games, and you're like, all right, we're riding high. But Playing if, the route.
0: Playing the parade route. <laughs> but if they,
2: if they lose all three of those games and we see some flaws, and like, ooh, okay, that's what could come up in the playoffs and you get a little scared a little bit. I, just, I think this next week could, could show us some things against some really good teams.
0: The thing is your margin for error is so small. Margin for arrow. It's, arrow. it's so small West that Matthews. if they lose all three of these games – they might not make the playoffs, you know. I mean, Minnesota is not losing either, so uh, you got to be top six. You got to win. Well, they you, have you the have best win. shooting big man. Dude, ever, they're unstoppable. So how could mm-hmm. they lose? They're unstoppable. Yeah. Um, all right, so I want to complain about the plan in a little bit, but first I want to end on a negative, as oh, we always perfect, do. Yeah, um, I need to say Pearl Jam. I want <laughs> to. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> did you see they actually made a playlist? <laughs> he curated yeah. a playlist, a, a Pearl Jam playlist. Who did? I don't, I'm the the Podfather himself. Spotify, Spotify asked asked Bill
2: to make a Pearl Jam playlist, and Ryan Rosilla to do a Max Max Day playlist.
0: This is okay. a bunch of Pearl Jam deep cuts. That's Spotify money, though. It ends with Yellow lead better. Very good song. I, I'm not gonna lie. Pearl Jam's fine. Do we hate Pearl Jam now because Bill Simmons <laughs> likes them? <laughs> is that a thing? Uh, Pearl Jam, Nickelback. What's the difference? I'm just kidding. Uh, I'm just right. kidding. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I love Eddie better. I love Eddie all better. Right. Pearl, Jim is <laughs> I'm Pearl to Jam is good. Pearl Jam is really good. Pearl Jam is really good. All right. So YouTube uh, comments are. Give me <laughs> an, obviously. <laughs> obviously, we're three confident fellows. We just spent a very long time talking about all the team, the things that team is doing well. Um, and COVID. Oh, and COVID. <laughs> I want to talk about down the stretch, short term, near term, long term, yesterday term concerns. Mine, my concern is a positive with a negative. Um, the positive, when the Mavs have scored 100 points this year, they're 38 and 11. When they have not scored 100 points, they're 2 and 15. In the playoffs, scores are going to be lower. Now, that's not just your score, that's the other team's score too. But You know, for as much as we've talked about how this is a very good defensive team, you know, on nights when your shots aren't falling, like the other night against New York or the game against Brooklyn earlier this year, the game against LA earlier this year, on nights whenever you're just, you can't throw a grape in the ocean, can your defense be great? If you only score 92, can you still win? Mm -hmm. And this year, you know, we've seen them try and fail to do that a lot more than we have recent seasons. Last year, they only scored 99 or fewer 11 times. The year before, 2019-20, they only did it twice all season. They played 75 games or 76 games. They scored 100 like 75 times almost. So, you know, can they win if they don't score 100? Obviously, we know they can if they do. 38-11, my God, it's almost perfect. Uh, 2-15, and that was very, very poor. And so, you know, in the playoffs, for as reliant as they are now on isolation, you know, make no mistake, you can set all the screens you want, but... Their offense is ISO now. Luka, Dinwiddie, Brunson. Um, if they're not hitting, shooters got to hit. If the shooters are not hitting, we've seen Luka and Dinwiddie and Brunson, they can all go off. But if you're going seven for 40 from three, you're going to get smoked. Mm-hmm. So the offense has to be able to score. And on nights, whenever they can't, can the defense step up? And that's down the stretch this year. That's They're playing against Boston, great defense. Minnesota's turned it up on defense. You know, Philly, obviously, with Embiid you know, can they score enough? Can they defend enough? You can't just be good at one or the other. You got to be good at both. Top 10 teams, you, you were talking about before, mm-hmm. you can be top 10 defense, but you can't be bottom half on offense. You got to be top 10 on both to win. And if if one drops, the other's got to be number one. Eighth isn't good enough. Fifth isn't good enough. You got to be number one if the other drops. So uh, can they do it? So that is my my legitimate concern down the stretch of the year, in addition to getting Maxi and, and Bullock in particular back on track. You, mm-hmm. you need those guys to be able to hit shots, 100%. which kind of leads to the 100-point thing. But anyway, that's kind of my big concern.
1: Yeah, I mean, any of the top seven, eight guys getting injured is, like, the number one, like, you just won't feel good about anything going into the playoffs, for me at least. The immediate concern is playing a team that has a wave of bigs that you can't really do much about, much like Clippers last year. You just look at the people getting off the bus, and you're like, Damn, man, they go like five or six deep at the wing that yeah. I would like to have on my team. This sucks. Like I don't know what I'm throwing out there. Like it just—it's just a nightmare. And so you know, just getting out rostered by another team at this point in a playoff series, and you're just—you just don't have a solve for how many bigs they can throw at you at, at this moment. You know, maybe Marquise gets healthy and that change. I changed my team. Well,
0: Julius Randall plays at the four. and The Mavs just lost by the to the Knicks by like fifty mm-hmm. twice. Yeah. So I mean. Yeah, that is yeah. a that's a valid thing, dude. Yeah,
1: just you know, I mean, they can still they're still susceptible to get bullied a little bit by a team that plays three, two or three centers at a time. Like it just happens with the roster we have at this moment. And like I said, maybe Marquise comes back and he's you know, he solves a lot of that, adds some depth Locking to it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And maybe Maxi gets his shot right and he's a game changer again. Um the longer term concern is we are a team that lives so much off of creating open three-point shots, which I think that's, you know, that's not unique to us. That's anybody in – any team in the league is trying to do that. But you can have one game like we had Wednesday night, and now you're down 0-1 in a series, and now you're chasing. And that goes to the 100 points you were talking about, right? If you're not knocking down your shots, if, you, if you're going to shoot 40% from three, if Reggie's going to shoot 40 and Maxie's going to shoot 40 and Dorian's going to shoot 40, okay, well, let's do that in the playoffs. Let's carry that over, guys. Let's, let's be those guys. If those guys we are
0: 40% in the playoffs, they will legitimately win the championship. Yeah, like, exactly. There's no, that's, I'm not even let's, trying to let's carry that up our butts. If they shoot 40% from three in the playoffs, they will win the title.
1: Right. And the thing that it, I don't think was a huge secret in the two Clippers series is I'm going to allow Doe and Maxi to shoot threes on us. I'm going to play off, and these guys, are, I'm going to make them shoot 35-plus percent from three. I'm going to make this bet on my playoff life, on my survival into the second round, that these guys can't do it. They can't make me pay for it. And the Clippers, in the long run, they were right, right? So that happens one time in one game in a playoff series, and you just lost a game because you didn't make open threes. And that is so defeating because you're creating the looks, right? And so that's the longer term is, like, just having a bad three-point shooting game, like, against the Knicks. There's been a couple of them this year where it's, like, Oh my God. Like what is happening right now? Like, shooting
0: it so poorly to where they're not even giving themselves a <laughs> yeah, chance. You yeah. Know, you can six and six of 44. Yeah. you will Lose 99% of the time. Yeah. 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 And so that's, that's my longer term concern or how I see
1: like this, all these good feelings going away real quick, but that happens so rarely. Like I told you the walking out there the night, I go, okay, you're going to go 23 and seven over a 30 game stretch. But every 31st game, you're going to have this, like, nuclear waste yeah. disaster of a game. <laughs> are you cool with that? Oh, yeah. You know, is this fine? And during the regular season, yes, that is fine. If this happens. Go to the next one. We're talking about the Rockets immediately after the game, and we're done with it. Playoffs, that doesn't happen. Yeah. That burns. And that leads into the next game, and you either respond or you don't, and then this series is away from you, and you can't grab it anymore. Yep. So those are my main concerns. But... I don't know. I and, mean, you know, I want Luka to become nightmare playoff second-round
0: man that just drives every team crazy. But you He can know. solo a team. He yeah. can solo a team in the first round. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe even in the second round. He's that good already. Yeah. But hopefully he won't have to.
2: My biggest concern is if we'll have uh, enough content of Dinwiddie and Berton's mm. uh, <laughs> to share. Uh, but – but, no, my actual, um, my actual biggest concern, y'all stole it. Like, so, Bobby texts us on the way over here, and he's like, hey, like, bring one concern for mm-hmm. the team. And immediately I was like, all right, well, what do we do if our shot's not falling? Mm-hmm. Well, now y'all just talked about it for you know, five minutes, whatever. But, but that's, that's the thing. It's like you watch that Knicks game, maybe it's because it's so fresh on our minds. It's like, all right, we're, we're going to get open threes. Like, that is a given. We will have like Reggie, Dorian, Maxi. These guys will get open threes, but whenever they're not making them, then that's when I I almost, I almost feel like Luca kind of goes into some some of the bad habits at times. But you don't blame him. The because,
1: first thirty games, yeah, of yeah, the season.
2: And it's like you don't you don't you can almost see it on his face sometimes in the games. Like, all right, I just hit another guy open three. Mm. It didn't go in, so then he starts kind of pressing a little bit. He's forcing a little bit, and then. And it's like, but you also don't blame him either. At the same time, so I think that's the thing of like when shots are not falling, what does the offense look like? What because even even when Luke is out, now we have this. You know, after Dinwiddie came in, he's playing well. You know, kid referenced it post game one of the games. He's like, yeah, this is what we're trying to do. We're trying to stagger these guys. We want to have two of these guys on the floor at all times. So now when Luke is off the floor, they're basically running the same system. But now they have two guys out there in, in Dinwiddie and Jalen that now, hey, let's just let's continue getting open shots. But what if the shots aren't falling? Can Dinwiddie st- continue to get to the rim? Mm-hmm. I was looking at his offensive numbers the other day, where is the percentage of his offense possessions. And it's like, you look at Lucas, and it's like 58% is him. Um, is him gosh, what? Did, no, 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 no. Um, but Basically, 18% of his shots were around the basket. And it's like you look at Dinwiddie's and 38% of his his shots are around the basket because he's driving so much. If Dinwiddie can't get to the basket in the playoffs and they're not making shots, where's the offense coming from? So I think that's the – for me, that is the biggest concern is
0: if the threes aren't falling with open shots, where's the points coming from? Especially, you know, I don't know if Tim Hardaway is back for the playoffs or not. I don't really know. Just like we're talking about rolling out – uh, you know, James Wiseman, or trying to bring back Draymond, or trying to reincorporate Michael Porter Jr., trying to reincorporate Tim Hardaway Jr. Very risky because you're so late in the season. You're used to playing without him, so on and so on. But say what you want about Tim, but he is like the only guy on the team still. I guess Brunson is to that level now, but he's he does other stuff. Tim is the only non-ball handler on the team that can just supernova his way to 30 points out of nowhere. You know, they mm-hmm. don't have that guy. Bullock kind of can if he gets real hot. Dorian can give you 20 if he gets real hot. But, like, those are all spoon-fed shots, kind of. Tim is the only guy on the team still that you can just be like, oh, my God, hot potato. Someone, please just take the shot, and Tim will do it. That's the thing you got to figure out over the last, whatever, 15 games or whatever it is,
1: is, okay, I think you have a club in the bag for any way you want to play. Like, you can roll Davis out there, and he can be (laughs) the large version of Tim. You know what I mean? Yeah. But is Tim supposed to be starting when he comes back? Is he supposed to be getting heavy minutes? Is he, you know, where does he fit whenever he comes back? Because you can't treat him like the guard version of Davis. Like, that's not Tim Hardaway's role with this team, right? So, but I think that might be the right answer is throw him out there and see if, check the temperature once he's out there a couple minutes and, you know, are they playing their third best defender on him? Is he have a matchup that he can take advantage of or just bring some juice and knock down some threes? But I think everybody's gotta be okay with the answer being no, he doesn't need to be on the court right now. And that But it's tough.
0: Yeah, it's, no, it's I mean he
1: he was the reason they went up 2-0 well last yes, year, you know. One hundred percent. One hundred percent. And that's it's hopefully he plays that well in the playoffs again. But if he doesn't that conversation has to be there of, hey, man, I'm going to throw you out there for five, six, seven minutes for this stretch. And if it's not happening, like we're going to this formula over here. Um, and so I don't know. you got to have the two ball handlers out there at the same time, right, like Isaac was talking about. And if that's not the formula that's on the court, then I'm going to be have my head kind of tilted and staring at it until it fixes itself, get those guys back out there. Because uh, we know that works, so I don't know, that's a dangerous, a dangerous thing for any team to start reincorporating players right before the playoffs or heading into the playoffs.
2: This isn't a concern. This is just something I'm watching that I'm so curious on how it's going to play out. Is the Brunson situation in the playoffs? Because we all know they didn't. They they're committing to him right now. Mm-hmm. We know that he can. Ha- he has flexibility with you know the offseason and new contract and all of that. And but how how does the playoffs play out for him? I remember talking to him on media day and he like still thought about that Clippers series because, you know, Rick benched him at times, like the link that Batum you know, gave him, it bothered him at times. So defensively they were hunt- hunting him out at times. So how does the playoffs play out for him? How does that impact his summer? How does it impact future with the Mavs? Like I am so, I'm so curious on how just that whole situation plays out. Cause he has a lot riding, I think on, on and the Mavs of mm-hmm. just the whole fit and
0: everything this playoffs. Well unfortunately, like you look at their most likely first round matchups, Utah, basically one long defender, O'Neal, and he's on Luka. You know, um Memphis, Bain, Jaw, I mean Did you know Bain played <laughs> <in up>. forward? <laughs> uh I mean Golden State, like I guess Clay Maybe I mean I don't know. It feels like it feels like there's no there's no possible first round matchup at least that has a Nick Batum type player, you mm-hmm. know that's going to be in their starting. Well, I mean, line, no one's going to
1: be as deep at the wing as the Clippers were. Which is like just this insane. is not going to
0: happen again. Please. And they got, and got more, more wings. wings. Yeah, Yeah, too, no, they, they, do yeah do they got
1: freaking Norman Powell. Yeah. I'm so are you between off six four that? and
0: six eight? There's like a fifty percent chance. Yeah, like that you're on the Clippers.
1: That matchup
0: and that style of playoff series is not happening again. Well, it could. It could if the Mavs fall to seventh in the play-in. And I think now, yeah. t- in summation, we agree injuries suck. Mm-hmm. Talking, about, talking about Tim, talking about KP, talking about everything. Injuries suck. Um, we all agreed off camera. So, too, does the play-in. Not big fans of that. Uh, the Mavs could run into the Clippers if they end up dropping beneath both Denver and Minnesota. Um, obviously, the Mavericks having been flirting with the, the play-in last season, Um, and even the year before the bubble, that was the first year they rolled it out. They ended up avoiding having to do it because they were X games ahead. Uh, the NBA has since lifted that caveat. And now if you're seventh place, it doesn't matter how much better you are than everyone else. Minnesota this year, you know, four or five games ahead of eighth place, 10 games ahead of ninth and 10th, whatever. doesn't matter. You finish seventh, tough luck, bud. You got to win a game just to make the playoffs. Um, (laughs) I I don't want to play the Clippers. That would just add insult to injury. If you fall out of the top six and then you have to play the Clippers on top of that. But uh, down the line, we we usually end these long, long long-ass pods, Mike, with the airing of grievances. So Mm -hmm. down the line, Isaac, tell me, give me your play-in, yay or nay, probably nay. Air your grievance. No. Like, I mean, do we need to hand out more participation ribbons? (laughs)
2: Like, are we here for that? Because... I mean, some people say it's the playoffs. Some people don't. Some people are like, all right, you make. So now we're, we're talking 20 teams. And so now it's just 10 teams that are, like, out of it. And, like, okay, cool. So now we have 20 teams that are now playing some type of postseason basketball. And then, yes, on top of that, when you have that whoever's in seventh, like, if, if there's, if there's so, so much of a gap, like, that's, that's so unfair to them. I just, I, I hate it. I hated it. When it came out, but here's the thing: Will I watch it? Yeah, I'll watch it. And I, I, the games are fun, but it's just if you're not I mean, in it. I think there's all things. There's things. There's also food in my life that <laughs> when I eat it, it's great, but it's not. But I don't think it's good for me. Like a hot dog <laughs> covered in macaroni and cheese and Fruit Loops. Bingo! Uh. Cinnamon Toast Crunch. Not great for me, but you know what? I enjoy it in the moment, and that's just how I feel about the play. And I just I'm not here to hand out more participation ribbons and.
1: I'm just not about it. Mm. Yeah, I mean, we already invite 16 teams into our playoff tournament. So you're telling me the play-in is playoffs, but a team that loses that can also be in the lottery? They can also have a chance to win the NBA draft lottery.
2: But didn't like the Wizards play in it last year, and they had like 32 wins or something? Yeah. Like, oh, yeah. It was like a, a, a pretty big
1: losing record, and mm. they're
2: in the play-in playoff thing. I'm like, right.
1: Okay. Yeah, and – I don't know. It kind of it makes a lot of your. It's particularly your last month of the regular season for teams that are hovering down there in like eight, nine, ten. Seem a little meaningless. Um, I mean, yeah, you want to avoid it. So the teams that are above that mark definitely want to want to not be in the position to be watching, or have people watching them during those games. Watching other teams do it, it's funny to me. Like I'm like, yeah, you go sweat, like Lakers. Your season's been that bad. Like go deal with this now. But it also makes we play eighty two games like there's eighty two that it's there. like go tell me who the best team is. It's right there in front of you. like why did we do these eighty two games if on a random Wednesday night, you can get smoked by the Clippers and Reggie Jackson and then you're you're out of the playoffs yes. like that's that is not worth it to me. and I get other like it became popular in other sports and people were making money off of it and adding you know now we have a super wild card round and football. None of those games were close. Those were like 28 point yeah. games yeah. that weekend. So it's, you know, it's fun for a fan base to feel included. And if that's all we're trying to do is make fan bases feel included, then you got it right. You nailed that one. But to me, you cannot be in the playoffs, which the play-in is, and also be in the NBA draft lottery. Those two things, those circles, should be on opposite ends of the spectrum, and they should never touch. Because, I mean, you do this enough, you you hit the simulation button enough, and the team that is 14 and the lottery wins the lottery one year, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like, it's just going to be madness. So, um, I I don't like it. I get what they're trying to do. Trying to make more fan bases fired up for I gotta extra. do something for the Kings. <laughs> <laughs> for Even still the Kings can't
0: make it. <laughs> they can't get that they <laughs> gotta get, there. get to twelve. Yeah. And I also Kings.
1: hate uh stat Muse quoting, uh, this team was two and ninety-five and now they're in the play in <laughs> spot. And I'm like, Ooh. <laughs> tell your fans you're in the play in <laughs> spot. Holy crap. Hang like, like, the banner. How cool 10. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, was I think like, the
0: ultimate like the ultimate issue with it is that you're having a tournament, like a do-or-die tournament, which is cool, I guess, but for 7th and 8th. And now, the Mavs have lost to both the 7th and the 8th seed in the first round before, (laughs) so we know better than anybody anything is possible once you get into the playoffs, but it does kind of feel like you're manufacturing a little drama for something that ultimately will not matter for a team that's probably going to lose in five games or Mm -hmm. maybe even four games. Um, And, you know, I think you're trying to do it to dissuade tanking, which that un... Debatably is good, less mm-hmm. tanking is good tanking sucks it's anti attacking it's anti fun it's anti competitive uh, tanking is bad, but if you have to add teams to the playoffs to dissuade teams from tanking, then you have a problem with the draft, not with the playoffs mm-hmm. like you need to get rid of the lottery or do something different so mm-hmm. I think that it's a it's a good attempt and it has worked i mean now granted portland if portland or Sacramento, or you know any of these other teams are like trying to win games right now. The Lakers wouldn't even be in the play-in, which would be extra funny. Mm-hmm. But unfortunately, you know you do have teams that are like in tenth that are like, look at the Clippers, they're in eighth place. And they're like, we don't want to win. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Kawhi, and, Kawhi and Paul George are out. You know, um, so yeah. Sometimes don't teams feel are in the playoffs, despite in spite <laughs> of not even wanting to win, right.
1: But I I don't think it needs to exist. I also don't have sympathy for teams that end up in it because. I don't know, maybe I'm just, like,
0: old-school old man, but I'm just, like, I don't know, play better. Yeah, but, I mean, on, <laughs> Be the, like, on the one, you know, you're fighting like hell all year now. To mm. Like, last season, the Mavs, basically, for the last 40 games of the year, they were rolling out everyone for 40 minutes a night because they are like, we cannot finish seventh place, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. which kind of, they were zapped by the play. They, it worked, but they were zapped by the time they, they got to the playoffs. They avoided it, you know. yeah. And what, like what the if cutoff? they would have just rolled the ball out and played and they finished seventh and they play in the first round against Phoenix, they'd probably lose, but like at least they didn't play Maxi for two thousand more minutes <laughs> than he needed to.
2: Yeah. Like what what's the like where does it stop? Like if the whole thing is well generates excitement and you know, teams can be in the lottery and play in this and their fan base are excited, like are we looking at a playing tournament that is <laughs> has most of the most of the league all in it 30. next year. And then it's like all these one game tournaments and well no, like...
0: because fans don't want this mid season tournament, which I think yeah. is actually cool. Yeah, I
1: think it's pretty cool. So yeah. I don't know. I think uh throwing an alligator on the court and trap doors would also be fun, but we're not gonna do that <laughs> crap.
0: So <laughs> four point line would be really fun, but we're not gonna do that. So Isaac, if the Lakers finish ninth, uh how many how many wins do they have in the plan? I think, it, I think if they play the Clippers, it's zero. Well, they'd play 10 first, so they'd play New Orleans first, let's say. Do <laughs> I, they Can the, they beat the Pelicans? What I would give for the Pelicans to
2: beat them in a play-in. While Anthony Davis watches? Yeah, <laughs> with Brandon Ingram and, you know, like, obviously Lonzo. And the spirit Hartsby. of Josh <laughs> Hart. Yeah, they've moved on. But, I mean, I guess they, yeah, I don't know, man. Like, I, I just feel like. I'm obviously not the biggest LeBron fan, but a hel- if LeBron's healthy and if AD is, like, healthy, I still wouldn't want to play him, like, in a play-in thing if I was another team. I mean, of course, just, you know, beg Russ to shoot bricks, but. <laughs> How many games do they win? Answer the question, coward. <laughs> <laughs> I think they win, too. I, I think they would come you think out that, You it. think they're making it? I, I mean, I-, I don't want them to, but if they're healthy and AD's playing, it's just, it's tough for me to, like, bet against an AD LeBron, but.
0: Feels pretty. Not that we no gambling, no betting, no tipping, no fixing. Been pretty easy to bet against them all year. I, like Ten games under five hundred.
2: Trust me, I am so excited about this Lakers season. It's one of my favorite Lakers season. I love every bit of it. I just coming from somebody who hate watches LeBron for so many years. I'm like, I really don't want your your teams to win. There's been too many times there a game ends. I'm like, oh well, dang it, I didn't get what I
0: wanted. <laughs> yeah, I and, would. Uh, get, I would have the heebie-jeebies. Like if. Let's say the Mavs end up seventh and they lose to the Clippers first, and then they play LeBron. I'd be like, dude, this sucks. Like, this yes, sucks that's, so
2: bad. That's more, like. If they play Minnesota, I'm not. I'm not sitting here rolling up, you know, Fanduel to say, let me put money on the greatest shooting big there. So <laughs> I'm not doing that. So uh, he's not the greatest shooting big. Whatever camera's on, it's a it's full of crap. Yeah, that's so LeBron uh, James. Le- LeBron is the best <laughs> shooting yeah. big. He's the best. He's scorer a of all scorer. Time. Yeah, he's yeah, yeah. trying
0: to make it out that he yeah. is a scorer. You don't hear anyone say that the guy with thirty-five thousand career points is a scorer. Yeah, none of us have ever Wind seen that. and never said. a hooper, really. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, all right, gentlemen. Any uh, any positive things you we went in on before we get out of here? It's been about an hour and a half of uh, good, solid sports talk. I mean, if this feels different than the first three years of Luka, it's because I think it is.
1: Uh, for those three seasons, and every I mean, even before he stepped foot in the building, we were like, oh boy. We got an offensive engine now. How do we score 150 a night? Like that's what all we thought about for a long time, um, and constructing the perfect Luca team. And we all just kind of looked past the idea of maybe just let him do his thing offensively and take all the defensive load off of him, but also be really stinking good on the defensive end and have a top five defense. And I'm very interested to see what the mix up in the formula um, and not having to drop 130 on. You know the Clippers' heads to win a basketball game is going to look like, uh, you know, 15 games from now. So uh, it's going to be different. It's going to be a different playoff opponent, most likely. So I love that, and I love the embracing the change, the need for change, the ripping the bandaid off that has happened over the last six months around here. Um, I think it takes a lot of courage, and looking forward to see how all of it. All those chips, uh, cash in all those tickets at the at the office, cash in in, a, in about a month from now. Get a nice big water gun. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, I I said this on this couch after the deadline
2: that I'm just excited to see a, a new look approach to the playoffs with Luca that we've seen the past you know two years with KP and with hey we're going to go into a playoff matchup with the the next guy next to Luka as this big as this. You know, the two different type of systems, styles, and it's just we've approached it from that angle, obviously the same opponent. Now we get to approach it from a small ball defensive angle with Luca, Where whatever happens, we get to come out of this platform and be like, all right, well, now we've kind of – we have a, more, a bigger sample size of, like, how we've went into the playoffs with Luca with kind of two different styles of rosters and teams. Now what's the best? Do we need to go out and, you know, get another big? Like, or what if it succeeds and they go on a big run and they're in the Western Conference Finals and – they go seven games. So we're like, all right, this did work. And now we just need to keep this. So I just – I'm happy to see a bigger sample size with Luca after this playoff.
1: A lot of 2011 vibes are happening. Oh, no. Trade with the Wizards. Oh, wow. It's Karan, Timmy.
2: Ooh. <laughs> Davis is
0: like Deshaun Stevenson somehow. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, like Peja. Completely, yeah, completely just locks down LeBron. There's no Tyson, <laughs> but, but – Yeah. yeah no. right. Watch out uh, – I don't know. What if Bertan's guards jaw better than anybody else? <laughs> like Bertan's could take away both his left hand and his right hand. It's just like talking just mad trash. Who's who's having the Peja type game series that? Josh
2: like, Green, Dwight Powell. <laughs> Josh Green. We
1: didn't even talk about Josh Green. I love Josh
2: Green. Josh Green, Green is time. the Josh blank Green, best center on the roster. First. <laughs>
0: All right, that's at it. At the end
2: of the pod, we're getting the takes now. Yeah, we'll
0: <laughs> no, see. We'll finally, see. he will up uh, By next year, maybe first. But we'll see. We'll see. It's a long way from now. Um, all right, <laughs> so we'll be back. I'm sure. I, I don't know. I mean, I don't know how this is going to play out or anything. Um, but, you know, assuming the Mavs are able to make the playoffs, typically you and I do some sort of playoff something. Yeah. So uh, you'll, you'll hear back from us at some point. But uh, this is kind of the podcast where we're putting some interviews. Recently we had – Kirk Henderson on from As Moneyball to talk about uh, what it was like to root for Dirk during the pre kind of social media, pre-internet years uh, when it felt like we were going at it alone. I had Kevin Gray on from 105.3 The Fan uh, right after the All-Star break to kind of preview the second half of the season uh, and talk about kind of thoughts on the season so far and what to expect. And so, um, you know, this one is sort of a a bookend as well. So very nice stuff. And uh, there's about a month left in the year. Just like yesterday was the one month Annie of the trade, yesterday was also the one month pre Annie of the final game of the year, Mavs Spurs, April tenth. And so uh, there's one month left officially. There are 30 days left of basketball, and we will see. We'll see what happens. It's going to be fun. It's going to be nerve wracking. It's going to be anxious. It is going to be riveting. It's going to be breathtaking. Hopefully, it's not very sad, uh, or any of those synonyms. Hopefully, it's only just those things, Bobby. Yeah, mm. uh, but until then... King Cobra. Yep, and I, I wish you guys nothing but best. The ceiling is the roof. Uh, this is Studio 41 presented by Chime. as Chopper motioned to me. what uh, how he's doing. But I'll say it again for emphasis. I wish you guys nothing but best. The ceiling is the roof. Let's make it happen. Let's keep moving forward. King Cobra. Are we still recording? <laughs> Twitch.tv. Twitch.tv nice. slash Dallas Mavericks. <laughs> Goodbye.